Hi everyone and welcome to From the Hacks preview of the 2020 Tim Hortons Briar. In part one of this year's preview, we chat with Colin Hodgson of Team McCune who will be battling for the final spot in the Briar in the wildcard game as Team McCune takes on Team Howard. Our other guests in part one of the preview this year are Matt Dunstone of Saskatchewan, Jeff Walker of Newfoundland and Labrador's Team Gushu, and Jason Gunluxon of Manitoba. So before we get started, if you've ever wondered how they get those nice graphics into the ice at Grand Slams at the World Championships and at Nationals in Canada and the US, well the answer is provided by Jedice, whose in-ice graphics from Easy and Textile logos to the world famous Jedice Full House product are great ways for clubs to enhance the appearance of their ice and to generate much needed additional sponsorship revenues. Easy and Textile logos are the industry standard for high quality logos and they're a snap to install. Meanwhile, Jedi's customizable full houses are a relatively new way for clubs to grow sponsorship revenues by offering maximum brand recognition to those sponsors. No one can match Jedi's design services, quick turnaround times, and product quality, which is why Jedi's products are valued by major organizations such as Curling Canada, the World Curling Federation, USA Curling, and Sportsnet, who trust Jedi's to provide the products they require for their high-profile events. Jedi's. They bring ice to life. Our first guest for this year's Briar Preview is Colin Hodgson, whose team isn't even guaranteed to compete in the Briar this year. Colin joined me to discuss Team McCune's progression this season and to look ahead to Friday night's wildcard game where Team McCune will face Team Howard. Colin, obviously not the result your team wanted at Provincials. That said, reaching the final in a province as deep as Manitoba is always a good showing. Uh, can you take our audience uh, through the Provincials a little bit uh, about your, how your team played and uh, how the, uh, the week went overall for your team? Um, well, I'll, first I'll start off by saying Manitoba Provincials are an awesome event to play in. Um, I grew up in Alberta and having smaller provincials, having 12 teams or 10 teams or 18. Um, I think Manitoba's really got it figured out in how, how they build such a strong province from the bottom up. So by having a 32-team provincial, it gives teams something to play for the entire season. And there's just so much participation that I think, I think that's a major reason why you get lots of great teams. Like you've got, um, you know, you have Gauthier, the junior team who's at World Championships at seven one right now, uh, going into play or into the into the semifinals, and um, you know, such strong women's teams. It's because we have such a strong um, Manitoba curling tour, and there's so many birth spiels. And honestly, I think people are just straight up curling more in Manitoba than in a lot of other places in Canada and throughout the world. So I think that makes a big difference for you know the quality of play that we see at provincials there's you know out of 32 teams not every team's going to be you know an extremely good team but there there's there's good representation from the regions um you know playing against teams from from far up north that don't get much exposure other than the teams they play against all the time it's just been um you know it just it builds such a such a strong event and by having it so many teams and it, it creates a long event which which preps teams very well for the briar um you know gunlison is a good example of that where they've been a great team and he's been a great curler on some great teams over so many years and you know curling fans know him for throwing the high hard one and being called gunner and it's just it shows you how strong the province is to have a team like him or a player like him and having their team never win it before so as much as I wanted to win the provincials it was 
you know, I don't even feel that bad. I think we've had our time where we've won. You know, Provincial, they went to the Briar three times, and this is, I guess, my fourth in, in a wild card format if we happen to win that game. And it's actually astonishing to think that we've been able to get through those games so many times against the likes of, like, uh, you know, Jeff Stout and Rob Fowler and, and against Mike previously and, and winning with him uh, against some other great teams. So um, I think the Provincials we've had was, you know, it's, it's always really hard to win. And I think we just got, you know, bit in a couple games where we didn't play our best in the final. Um, and, you know, there's some there's some ice conditions factored into it, but that's that's not the reason we lost. We They, they managed it better than us, and they did a great job of it. Um, but, you know, having Manitoba Provincials is, is just – it's just like a briar. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's about a half a briar is what I, I'd call it. Um, and that's not to take anything away from it. It's just such an elevated event in the province. It's, it's, it's hard to freaking win. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Your team has played a bunch so far this season, Colin. Uh, was that an effort uh, to give yourselves as many opportunities as possible to find your groove after what was an inconsistent first season together as a team? We didn't go into the season with a plan of playing a ton. We, we knew we were going to play quite a bit. We, you know, Gunners are always playing more than everybody. Then generally, you know, John Epping's played a lot over the years. They just find ways to go to lots of events. And, and historically, we've been a team that does go to, you know, nine or ten before Christmas. So um, what happened this year is we had injuries on our team that plagued us. And, and coming off a really, like, I'm not I'm not going to sugarcoat it. For the most part, we had, a, we had ups and downs. We were a great team sometimes in the first year, and we were a terrible team sometimes. We either won events or we didn't qualify. It was... Uh, very, it, was, it was very up and down roller coaster type season. So um, we didn't put ourselves in a good position for this year. So we knew we had to play lots early to make sure we were actually in the slams. We were on the bubble. We were, I think, ranked 14th or 15th. Not entirely sure if we're getting into all the slams. So we knew we had to play lots early. But um, Mike also played through an injury through that first year for the most part. Uh, I don't know how many people realize how significant it was. But he had, he had um, you know, surgery to surgery to correct that injury and he wasn't able to play the first uh two events he wasn't even able really on the ice he after the after oakville um after oakville he came out with us and was able to practice and he threw some rocks but he was not in any shape to do that and unfortunately i was doing some sweep testing this year and i injured uh i I had some major inflammation in my knee so i was barely able to play um there was a bunch of games in the first two events where uh we had to play three-handed with a spare because you can't have two spares and and get your points and be eligible for the event so i'd have to sit out and then we had um we were lucky to be able to get daily peters uh from willie Lybrand's team to come out and curl with us but we just weren't successful it's just too hard to play against good teams you know, plugging someone into third and having your third go to skip again. And there's just so many moving parts that, you know, we just got off to a slow start. So once that happened, we said, uh-oh, we got to add we got to add some events to our schedule with Mike when he's able to come back um, because we figured we're behind the eight ball already. We hadn't worked as a team. We had been playing lots, but we hadn't really worked all four of us together. So we just piled it on the schedule to just, we essentially made, playing in events our practice because we couldn't afford to miss out on any possible points early on. So getting into those events, getting into all the slams, making sure we were in a good position for the wild card was, was important to us. And, you know, it's nice to have that buffer and 
ultimately for next year, it's incredibly important to be, you know, in a top five Canadian team going into the going into the year before the trials, because that also gets you know, all the events and it positions you well to make sure you you know can reach your goals later. So I don't foresee us playing less anymore, other than uh, not adding those two or three extra events because of injuries. Colin, do you believe that your team has turned that corner uh, and that you're in a position now where you uh, are gelling as a unit and that you're in a much better position to, to make a solid run in the second half of the Olympic cycle compared to what you were able to achieve in the first half of the Olympic cycle? Well, I think we've kind of started to figure out what our team identity is. Um, we had two different identities trying to mash them together, and when you have people that are friends, I think that's significantly harder to manage that. Um than if you're, you're trading like a business and, you know, you go your own ways or do your own things. And so we've had to find our ways to balance um, the friendship piece with the competitive piece. Um, you know, team psychology is so important that we're not, we're not the same as either of our teams were before. It's not like Mike joined our team and now he's part of what Team Carruthers was, or we joined Mike and now we're what Team McEwen was. Um, we've had to really establish that we're not either of those teams, even though both were successful. Um, I think, uh, I think, as you alluded to, there was some. There's a lot of extra added pressure to being from, you know, being a Manitoba team and taking the two teams that essentially were the ones trading, trading off and going to the dryer. Um, there's a lot of added pressure to that when you put them together, and now everybody's got in for you. Like they, we always have a target on our back, and that's fine. Um, you know, I think we we leaked a little blood in the water, and 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 you know, all the sharks were coming after us, and people were playing really good against us. You know, we played some great games, and we still got beat. So, I think that's something that we had to figure out and get over, and and just gain our own confidence. Uh, we, we've been doing that recently. We've had a really, really good last couple, um, last three months of the season. And that's been, that's been, you know, everything. I think we're, we're, we're the strongest we've been yet as a team, regardless of what happened in the provincial final. Um, and I think we all have enough experience to be able to get over a loss like that because we have, all of us have lost lots of provincial finals. Um, you know, Mike's got his record, um, you know, Reed, we lost some finals against him. I lost a bunch of junior finals and U18 stuff in Alberta. Like, we've we've lost we've lost more than we've won, and we've won quite a bit. So I think going into this wild card game, you know, personally, I'm not feeling a lot of pressure. I know that game's a big game, and it's hyped up, but um, I'm just happy to be curling in there at this point. Um, this is a second chance for us to, to show that, you know, we're we're good enough to be there to be in the playoffs of the Briars. So um, look at what Botcher did last year. Um, it's such a good position to be in if you can get through that game. And finally, Colin, now Mike is the one member of your team that's played in a wildcard game before. Now, I, I realize that you're a veteran team that can handle pretty much anything that is thrown at you. That said, has Mike shared anything with the rest of you about his wildcard game experience to help you prepare for what is a one-game showdown the loser leave town? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, that game is known as the suitcase game. So either you know you got a suitcase waiting at home, and your family member brings it after you win it, or um, you know you got to pack your suitcase and get on the plane and go home. We're we're lucky that um, not only has Mike been in that game and and got through it, like he's explained to us, it's not a fun game to play. It's 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 like a Briar final without it being the Briar final. So you know you're in the you're in the arena. You're the only game on, which I think is a huge benefit because 
we can actually hear each other. That's that's the biggest thing. In a in a high pressure game like that, it's just huge to be able to understand what's going on and there's not chaos going, you know, th- throughout the shots. It was more pressure, but you know, Mike's wife just got through that game and they're seven and one at Scotty. So it's been it's been we've been lucky to have so many people not only on our team but, you know, through our through our spouses or or whatever. Um we've seen it. We've seen other people play in it. We've seen people um you know, come through that game extremely, you know, confident and relaxed. And then we have team, you know, then, then there's some teams that have, you know, been stressed out about it and, um, you know, the, everything gets amplified, um, people's moods. Those are the things we just need to work on mostly. I don't think we're, personally, I don't think we need to focus on the talent side too much. It's just entirely about controlling emotions and, and just limiting, you know, limiting the damage and, and making sure that we don't miss um, uncharacteristic shots. I think whoever wins that game is probably not necessarily going to be the team that makes the most shots. It's going to be who's going to be uh, missing the least or, or missing in the best way. My next guest is uh, Matt Dunstone of Team Saskatchewan, whose team has had two breakthrough moments this season, winning their first Grand Slam together in North Bay and then winning Provincials for the first time as a team after losing in last year's Provincial Final. Matt, you've been to the bar before, but when you won Provincials this year, it meant a first bar for you with uh, your current team and your first as the actual skip of the team. How did it feel to win Provincials in Saskatchewan for the first time as a skip? Yeah, it feels really good. Um, we we uh, took the milk run, as, as most people know, but uh, hey, we got on a got on a bit, a bit of a roll, and, and we were pretty confident with how we were playing, and, and obviously uh, pretty pretty pumped to be heading to the show, and, and uh, it's just kind of it kind of step one in the process accomplished for us. Now, Matt, I'm assuming that you'd gotten to uh, know Braden Muscawi on tour a little before the two of you decided to join forces, but you'd never really played together. The two of you seem to have meshed really well. Tell me about your partnership with Braden and how it has evolved over the past two seasons. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, it came, uh, came pretty easy with me and Braden, actually. Um, we we, we kind of see the, see the game the, this, in very similar ways, um, see shots in, in a lot of similar ways, too. We don't have too many disagreements. Uh, in the house there, when it when it comes to, to strategy and whatnot, and and the support uh, the support he gives gives Skipper Skipper is pretty unbelievable. Uh, he he you can tell he's he's definitely learned a lot. Uh, obviously being with Reed, um, and, and the experience he got from that, and um, he he's, he makes it pretty easy for me to feel comfortable and, and, and really confident in uh, in any situation. Matt, the first time that you and I chatted was a couple of days after you'd won your second Canadian Junior Championship back in 2016. What are the main differences between Matt Dunstone now and the Matt Dunstone uh, when I first chatted with you back in 2016? Yeah, it's uh, maturity-wise, uh, obviously quite a bit. I mean, um, that just simply comes with age. But, uh, you know, um, I got a, a bigger perspective now um, on 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 what exactly has to be done at the men's game um the junior game it's, it's you can you can get off on talent alone but uh that's it's simply not possible uh, in the men's game so you know there's a lot of extra work uh going into it now um obviously on, on my end uh just the the work i put in on the mental side of things um emphasis emphasis on breathing and and, and just getting in the right headspace because um, if, if you're not in the right headspace against against some of these teams, I mean, you have no chance. Um, just they're, they're, they're too good. So um, the, there's a lot of extra work that goes into it, um, and, and just as maturity as a player and, and as a human, um, 
on the ice, I'm 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 a lot more. I'm I'm in a better space for sure. You're in a relationship with Erin Pincott, who also happens to curl at the elite level and qualified for her first Scotties this season with Team Brown of BC. Now, I'm assuming that being around someone who is going through similar experiences to yours must be helpful as you navigate what can be a sometimes difficult grind on tour as you try to work your way up the world rankings. Yeah, exactly. Uh, between me and her, uh, have a have a lot of good conversations, obviously, about curling, and 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 we we understand uh, the both sides and. We uh, we don't see each other very much, obviously. Uh, being being competitive curlers that we are, uh, that we are. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's nice to to have somebody around that. Uh, I mean, you can you can talk to and, and understand exactly uh, what you're talking about. Your team and you specifically played unbelievably well to win the Masters Grand Simon North Bay earlier this season. What went so well for your team that week, Matt? Uh, you know, it's 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 one of those funny things. Um, we we kind of sat back and, and talked about that after and and tried to figure out why why we were the way that we were and I mean obviously in those events those those little things got to go your way and you got to get the little breaks here and there and, and this is from from guys that you don't normally get to win it that's the only way you win those events so um, um that that obviously happened but um you know it's it's just a funny thing of just the situations we would get ourselves into um they, they just sort of happened uh, that week as well but um, you know, it's we're we're a team that that likes to likes to have some fun and and joke around and and you know we have a pretty good time on and off the ice. So uh, just making sure that that's that when we're doing that, that's kind of when we're doing our thing. Now on the flip side, uh, you took it on the chin pretty bad a few weeks later when you failed to win a game at the Canada Cup. Uh, what was it about that week that uh, made it difficult to recapture the form that you had shown in North Bay? Yeah, like to be honest with you, it's, uh, uh, we we played pretty well. Like the, the first four games, I mean, the last two against Cooey Howard, we, we mailed her in. Like yeah, we, we, <laughs> the event, the week was so frustrating that uh, you know uh, it, was, it was tough to to get up, and we were just ready to ready to get the heck out of there. But um, you know, we did we we felt like we did a lot of good things that week. Um, we kind of pinpointed uh, a couple areas. Uh, out of the button was one of them. Uh, we weren't winning much, much, many hammers. You know, you, you you chase all game against the top in the world. Pretty pretty tough to come out on top. And and uh, we just uh, we were having a tough time forcing uh, forcing teams to a single. Uh, we had we had no issues that week at Canada Cup. They're scoring deuces, scoring threes, uh, that sort of thing. But we just couldn't uh, we couldn't prevent the crooked number on the board up against us without the hammer. So uh, we, we kind of looked at a couple couple tactical things, strategy uh, things after. After that event, things we could change, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, we kind of took that week with a grain of salt. I mean, you're playing, you're playing the world's best. Uh, if you don't have it, uh, that record we put up there is, is what's going to happen. And that's any any team could go 0 and 6 in a field like that. So um, yeah, we, we we took we took the good with the bad. And, I mean, it's uh, obviously an eye opener and, and forced us to just uh, get back to work. Some teams do an in-depth analysis of their draw prior to the Briar or the Scotties, identifying the games they believe they will win, the games that might be very difficult for them to win, and the toss-up games, which are typically the ones that decide who moves on to the championship round and potentially the playoffs. Have you broken down your schedule at all this year, uh, for this year's Briar, I should say, uh, Matt, or are you taking the uh, one-game-at-a-time approach? You know, uh, I know who's in our pool. Um, I know what the pools are. Uh, I know we play wild card first, and after that I have no idea. Uh, what the schedule is at all? That's uh, pretty much all I know, and and uh, it's pretty much all I'm gonna know actually till till I get there. It's I mean um, the uh, it's, 
the recipe is pretty easy. Just uh, go out there and, and, and try and win every game you play. And uh, you'll you, you win every one or, or win majority of them. You're going to be where you want to be at the end of the week. So um, that's, that's kind of the mindset I'm taking into it. Uh, that's, that's another thing that's kind of changed um, with me personally a bit is just trying to not make any sort of event too big or bigger than, than it is. Uh, I mean, all the, all the teams in this, this field we've played before, uh, beaten before, lost to before. So uh, there's, there's nothing extraordinary that we have to do to, to go out there and put a good little run together. Um, and, and that's kind of kind of how we're taking it. And finally, Matt, what will uh, Team Dunso need to do well in Kingston if you're not only to reach the championship round, but make a run at the playoffs? Uh, you know, it's, it, it comes down to winning the battle of the angles at the top of the house. Um, do that and, and uh, making making shots for extra points. Uh, you know, when, when uh, it's tough to win, when, when you when skips you, leaving leave an extra points out there uh, off the board. So um, that's, de- that's definitely a key. And, and just, uh, you know, win that angles battle. Put as much pressure on uh, the other team constantly as, as much as you can. And, I mean, it's, it's rare to get misses from, from the top teams as it is. But the, the only way you do is if you put relentless pressure on them. So uh, if, we can, if we can do those two things, uh, I think uh, you're going to see us at the end of the week. Uh, we're, we're feeling pretty confident. We've got, uh, we got one goal, and that's to, that's to be lifting the tankard at the end. If you're looking to buy some new curling equipment, look no further than Hardline. They offer premium curling equipment that is a choice of the world's top curlers. Whether it's the U.S. Olympic gold medalist Team Schuster, or Women's Olympic gold medalist Sweden's Team Hasselberg, or how about the top Canadian teams, Briar Champs Team Cooey, Team Gushu, Team Jacobs, Team Carruthers, and World Champions Team Adine and Team Tiranzoni. Hardline's new composite broom, the Hybrid Helium, is the lightest composite broom on the market, and it's perfect for beginners. Hardline also offers a full range of equipment to get you playing your best, including shoes, apparel, and the Pro Slide Delivery Aid designed by Reed Carruthers. Visit their website at www.hardlinecurling.com and join the revolution. It's been an uncharacteristic season and a half of curling for Team Gushu since winning their second consecutive briar in 2018. They have been good, but they have not been their dominating selves in the current cycle. Lee Jeff Walker joins me to discuss their season so far, and he also provides some insights in how he prepares for the briar and for different games during the briar week as the lead of an elite team. Jeff, I can appreciate that provincials are always an important event because it's a team's ticket to the briar. That said, when a team like yours hasn't lost a game at provincials since you've been together, is the sole purpose for your team to win the provincials, or do you actually also try to work on some things during an event like that? Yeah, I, I, for us, it's, it's put your head down, game to game, and make sure you win because you don't want to take anybody lightly. And, and the curling around here is getting better and better every provincial, and, and we're seeing it with the with the competition and and you know younger people now coming up and like I said getting better and then we'll basically if, obviously if we're successful and get through that's when we take the next two to three weeks basically to to uh, work on those things and we got basically a full month in between the provincials and the briar so we put a lot of work in at that point doing some technical and and uh, and then really trying to ramp it up come come the briar and and uh, work on just making shots at that point. When one looks at your team's record for the season, the thing that jumps out is that you haven't won any events, which is not like your team. That said, it's not like you've had a poor season. You've reached two slam finals and two slam semifinals. How would you gauge your team's season so far, Jeff? You know what? It's been it's been a good season. We've uh, we've played well. We've had obviously some up and downs and, and different people struggling at different times. But when we compare it to last year, where really we won our first event of the year and then it's just slowly, we like uh, was on a decline. It didn't and didn't have sort of our type of year last year and 
uh, we felt we'd bounce back this year, even though we haven't had a win. Uh, like I said, doing really well in the Flans, getting to do finals, which we arguably a chance to win both of them. And, and uh, you know, I think we we like where we are, but we are in a little bit of a slump and not being able to pull off, pull off any big wins. So we're looking forward to the Briar, and, uh, you know, we're, we're trending the right way. We're, we like where we're at, and we think we're, we're just a matter of time before we can win again. Your team has been together for several seasons now. As the lead, how quickly do you get a gauge of whether Brad and Mark have a good read on the ice during an event, and how quickly do you start communicating with them uh, if you sense that they're still a little unsure of certain paths? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously we've been together. We know how each other works, and, and I think that helps and, and goes a long way. And, um, you know, we because we do play this, this slam circuit and on arena ice so much, a lot of times the ice is doing the same things, and we get to use a lot of, a lot of the same rocks quite often. Um, but, I mean, there are times where there's, there's you know, you're, you're seeing a little bit something different, or, or maybe someone doesn't have it the first couple of games because, you know, maybe there's frost issues or, or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, we're, we're really good at helping each other out and trying to get the best out of each other, and we're all trying to make shots. So, um, you know, whether it's they didn't even move the broom a couple inches or, or uh, just, adding a little bit extra rotation in, in certain spots. So, you know, there's there's little things, and it's stuff that you're always you're always working on as a team, but um, because we have been in a team now for, I guess, six years, um, it just seems to come easier. As a lead for one of Canada's elite curling teams, what is your process, Jeff, when you arrive at an event like the Briar? What are you trying to gauge during practice, before the event itself, and, and prior to each game? Also, as a lead, what are you paying attention to during games at the Briar where there are often different dynamics at play uh, than you would get at a slam or a smaller event, such as a big crowd uh, for the start of the draw and a much smaller crowd at the end of the draw, which might impact ice conditions? big thing for myself is just getting that uh, getting that feel for, for the draw weight. Uh, obviously, I'm going to be throwing over the course of the week a lot of draws to the top four or, or just tight guards. So getting that feel, how it feels under the foot, um, and just getting an idea of obviously where, you know, where I'm going to happen to be sliding out on, on the broom because there's going to be basically the broom's not going to change a whole lot throughout the week. It might get a little straighter as the week goes on, but it's mostly just about the feel and and trying to get that trying to get that draw weight locked in early and and you know hopefully just make the, the muscle memory for the rest of the week. The second part of your question, uh, yeah, it's the big big thing is is also about just seeing how the rocks finishing um as it comes to a rest sometimes you get those ones that just seem they slide out forever others sort of dig in and i think a big part of that is is the time of day so if you're playing whether you're playing the morning noon or night draws is watching how that reacts and and like you said how the how many um fans are in the building at the time you know sometimes the the weather outside can can make a difference to that too so you know there's we try not to watch too much curling when we're when we're at event at the briar because there's obviously you can turn on tsn anytime and watch it but um, it is a good idea sometimes to tune in what the commentators are saying and, and uh, you know, what, what some of the curlers are saying about the pads because, you know, you try to take as much much out of that when you're playing that, maybe on that sheet next. In the past, Jeff, players used to get really excited about the Briar because it's obviously the biggest event on the calendar, but also because it was one of the few times that teams would get to measure themselves against the other top teams in the country. In the Slam era, where elite teams now play each other quite often, do you still get a sense of anticipation before the Briar, or is it, uh, or does it mostly feel like another big event on the schedule with the caveat that it is the national championship and there's a trip to, to the Worlds on the line as well? Yeah, like you, you're like you said, you see all the teams. So the teams don't change, but the environment's completely different. I mean, it just seems like there's nothing really like the Briar um, when you go out there, especially when the 
you know, when it's a packed house or, or playing on a on a weekend evening or, or whatever. I mean, it's just a completely different beast. And like I said, you are playing, you play most of the same teams, but you'll get the odd, the odd different team that you don't throw throughout the year. So, um, but for me, I mean, yeah, I've been to, I guess this will be, I think, my ninth prior. So, um, you know, I've, I I know what to expect every time I go in, but, but uh, you know, the games all the time are, are Seems like that much more, I guess, exciting, and, and just with the with the TV cameras around and and uh, all the sheets going and and just the intensity, um, you know, it's it just seems like a different beast. And, and obviously playing for your province, and um, you know, that's that's always exciting too. And you have so much support behind you all the time. And, and a lot of times, when we're on the road playing at tour events, you don't have your family and friends coming with you, right? And and uh, you know, we always have a contingent of people, friends and family, that seem to come with us when it comes to the briar. I know my parents have been now to every briar, and I know uh, same thing. Brad and Brad and his family seem to always come down, and now that his girls are getting older, that they seem uh, they'll come and, and join a lot of the times as well. So that, that's the other part of it is just that you have the family support and the and the you know the friends that are there, and and it's it's just a lot of fun. The, the crowd's usually usually a really good time as well. You've now played multiple briars under the old format and the new format. What's the biggest change that you've noticed at the briar under the new format? I think the biggest thing that I've noticed uh, is just earlier in the week, it seems like it you got a lot more downtime. Um, you have uh, you usually have a couple of days where you only have one game days, which is which is a little different. And then when you get past Wednesday, it's really busy. You're, and you're playing against the best teams. Uh, it seems like every draw uh, once you get to that championship pool, and it's it's usually back to back games both Thursday and the Friday. But I find the biggest thing, I guess, is early in the week. It just seems like there's a little bit more time. Like you said, you don't have as you might not have the so-called easier matchup, um, but it just seems like there is a little bit more time to sort of breathe um, until you get to the championship pool, and then it just seems like it just flies by, and every game uh, every game is so big at that point. Um, but you don't obviously the with carrying over your record too, you, you can't take any any team lightly. So, um, you know, it's just making sure that you're you're ready for the games because you sometimes do have those those one game days where you you, you might play the night before and then not play till the next evening. Um, so it's just you know getting that rest, but but trying to you know trying to still keep yourself energized and, and ready for that night game. And finally, Jeff, a team Gushu obviously has a solid history at the Briar. Uh, that said, every season is different. So I'm wondering what the keys are going to be for Team Gushu if you're to make another deep run in the playoffs at the Briar in Kingston. You know, we just gotta um I think the biggest thing is we just gotta have the confidence that, you know, we've been there, done that before. Um, you know, just look back on some of the, the experience in two thousand seventeen, eighteen when we were the best team in the world and we made made a lot of shots and you know, we were basically uh every shot we were we were given a hundred percent effort to put that right where we needed to. I think maybe over the last couple of years, that's got away from us a little bit. Whether it's you know whether it's just a lack of focus or just uh, more just the execution and and uh, and whatnot. I, I we're still working just as hard as we ever ever are, and I think a lot of the teams are are getting better. And we may have set that standard, uh, so sometimes you, you know you got to push to get to that next level again. So biggest thing I think is just uh, just being confident that we're gonna give every rock a hundred percent chance to, to put it right where we need to and, and uh, you know make make teams chase chase us. Jason Gunnelson finally won his first Manitoba Provincial Championship this year and will represent Manitoba at the Briar for the first time as a skip. We discuss what people should expect from his team in Kingston and we also discuss analytics in part because Jason is one of the more knowledgeable players in the game when it comes to analytics. 
Jason, this was a year that you finally broke through at Provincials. How did it feel to win that first men's Provincials, especially defeating Mike McEwen in the final? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely just been a tough province forever. Um, you know, and they've been they've been the champs for a while, so it was really, really fun to, to, to win the game. And, and I think for me, it was, personally, it was just a lot of relief um, to, to have finally won the, the Manitoba Provincials. It was kind of... Uh, something I felt like maybe I had a couple good chances to and hadn't done, so it was nice to uh, achieve that milestone. Your team has played a lot this season, some 20 games more than most of the teams at the Briar. Are there any concerns about how much fuel you might have left in the tank, especially entering an event like the Briar that can be such a grind? Curling's not that <laughs> tricky to do, I don't think. Um, no, I think a lot of people have played like more of a similar, like lots of people are playing a lot of mixed doubles, which really none of us are. So I think that that number is probably a little deceiving. We also, we we did go to Japan, um, like in the heart of summer, and a bunch of games. We really just approached that as a tramp. We had never really been on the ice with Adam before, and um, you know that that definitely upped our game number. But as far as you know, I'm sure other teams did their training camps in different ways that didn't you know show up as far as games played. So. Really, um, from the start of September on, I think we're pretty in line with everybody else. We just did a did a summer training camp, which got us an extra bunch of games in, I think. You're one of the players that has refined the use of analytics to help your team prepare for events and to help guide your in-game strategy decisions. Without divulging any state secrets here, can you share how important analytics has been to your team this season and how it has helped you prepare for your first briar? I think it's just kind of... Uh, a number-based approach is kind of the way I look at life. And um, definitely bringing Adam Casey on is another person who's very, you know, analytical. Like, he's got that kind of that kind of number-based mind. If you, you know, if you can't prove it to me with numbers, do I really believe you? And, um, you know, so I, I think we kind of try and base our decisions as much as we can on, like, what's our goals? You know, sometimes our goals are different than other teams, but, like, what are our actual goals? And if these are our goals, like, what's the best way to achieve the goals? Um, you know, the, the highest percent of the time. And, and I think that that goes with, you know, which events we pick, which, you know, when are we going to play, when are we going to rest. It goes goes into, you know, obviously how we play the game and how we play different opponents, but also, like, you know, when we get our choices, which opponents do we want to pick to play. So lots of different things get, you know, we, we use some numbers to make decisions, but I don't think it's that uncommon anymore. It's pretty much spread across the game just like every other sport and now it's just who can use that information to make the best decisions is really the the new challenge it's not whether people want to use numbers or not you raise an interesting point there because many teams hesitate to admit that they use analytics both in preparation for events and to help guide their in-game decisions as someone who competes on tour on a regular basis and advises other teams on analytics can you perhaps shed some light on just how pervasive analytics are in curling at the elite level well anytime you're trying to you know find an answer to a probability question using math is a good place to start but there's two ways that people use analytics somebody can use analytics and decide that like walking is better or the shift is good or whatever in baseball for example right but you can also never look at a spreadsheet and just be like the you know whoever it is tampa bay is shifting and the guy running tampa bay or the woman running tampa bay is very smart so we're and it's working so we're going to shift too now is the person who's shifting second Using analytics or not, there's a question there as to whether they're just, you know, copying the analytics user or using analytics. But, I mean, more or less, um, you know, we get to hear everybody's thoughts. We get to 
see their strategy. We get to watch hours of tape. Like, everybody copies each other pretty fast. So it's sometimes a little bit of chicken egg and tough to tell, you know, whether, you know, has that skip looked at a chart or has that skip just seen, you know, Rachel Holman who's looked at a chart. Is the difference really matter? I don't know. Your teammate Adam Casey has skipped at the briar in the past, and I was wondering if he has shared any insights to help you prepare to skip in your first briar. Yeah, I mean, we got some great supports in place with Adam and then Coach Vandenberg, Coach Gary Vandenberg, um, you know, as a guy who's won the briar before, you know, he's bringing a lot lot to the table there too. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying it's going to go amazing for sure. Like, it's a ridiculously hard field, but I think we're pretty comfortable with where we're at going into it. And, you know, I probably five, ten years ago would have been, a, you know, a lot more concerned than I am now. You know, I think we're going to go in there, play play our game and, and, you know, see what happens. And I also think, like you kind of had mentioned earlier, like having someone like Adam, you know, the three of us, Alex, Connor, and I have been together doing this for a while. And I think we understand that we've got to play in some of these, you know, Canadian championships, these, uh, you know, Canada Cups, these sort of events, because if, you know, our goal is to win in the trial. You need some of that experience. And, I mean, even with Jacobs, when they won the trials, it was kind of out of the blue, but they had won the Briar the year before. Like, it, you know, it didn't come completely out of nowhere. So we know we got to put ourselves through this a couple times, see how it goes, really analyze, like, what went well, what didn't, and how we get better. And I think that's the biggest thing for us is this is an opportunity now to, to really see exactly what we're doing, what's working, what's not. And with all the changes we put through in the first half of the year, you know, see which ones work and which ones don't. Since we were discussing analytics a few moments ago, I'm going to ask you to put your analytics hat on to assess your round-robin schedule, which is very front-loaded. Is it better to play the top-ranked teams early in the week or better to face them later in the round-robin? There's two schools of thought. Like, um, we just saw, like, in the Scotties here, Alberta eased into it with a little bit of, um, you know, the lower-ranked games. Um, they're kind of in the similar, they're in the middle kind of uh, slot, and they played... Some of the lower-ranked teams got to 3-0, and but now they're, you know, to 3-3 three and three and battling for their lives here tonight. So um, I think it can kind of go both ways. You know, having guys like guys like Adam and Gary around us, and, and even Alex Forrest, he doesn't have the experience of being at a briar, but he's just the most calm, even-keel person you could possibly imagine. So, you know, I think we'll be, you know, okay realizing that, you know, if we're playing the, the – three of the big guns right off the hop. Like, if we can get to two and two, that would be, you know, a really solid start. So, um, you know, it is nice to play someone like Gushu the first game. The first game draw tends to be a little a little bit trickier, and people are learning a bit more. So, uh, you know, if there's ever a good time to play such a great team, it's probably the first game. Earlier in your career, you had a reputation as a player that could really throw the high hard one. But I think that at this point in your career, your shot making is much more refined than it was back then. For those in the audience that might not know you and your team very well, Jason, uh, what can we expect from Team Manitoba at the Briar? Um, I think that uh, you know, I think that there's a you know, you're still going to see a couple plain throws. There's no question. But I, I mean, I think I've worked really, really hard, and you know, my teammates have worked really, really hard to to just try and become as good a players as we all can. And and um, you know, I think you'll see a well-rounded game. I think you'll you know, you'll see um, like clear game plans at first each opponent and you know we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of rocks in play anybody who watched the match of a finals or the semifinals like there was a bazillion rocks in play most of the ends and uh you know you're gonna see some ends like that and then you're gonna see some some um some really boring ends and it'll just you know you'll get a little bit of everything from us 
And finally, Gunner, what will Team Manitoba need to do well if you're not only to qualify for the championship round in Kingston, but also to be in the mix come the second weekend of the bride? Um, I think it's going to be the same kind of plan we went into with Provincials. I mean, we, we kind of joke, we say we, we're going to play winning curling, which is kind of basically what we've decided is the way to play the game. So we're going to try and play our game. Um, you know, we're going to have to do a good job. I think one of the challenges of the Briar that's different than maybe some of the events we've played is, is just managing the distractions and the other things in the Briar and just focusing on curling. Um, you know, and then I think if we if we um, draw as well as, you know, if we have a, a B, our B or better draw week, we'll, uh, we'll be right there at the end. If you're looking to buy some new curling equipment, look no further than Hardline. They offer premium curling equipment that is a choice of the world's top curlers. Whether it's the U.S. Olympic gold medalist, Team Schuster, or women's Olympic gold medalist, Sweden's Team Hasselberg. Or how about the top Canadian teams, Briar Champs, Team Cooey, Team Gushu, Team Jacobs, Team Carruthers, and world champions, Team Adine and Team Tiranzoni. Hardline's new composite broom, the Hybrid Helium, is the lightest composite broom on the market, and it's perfect for beginners. Hardline also offers a full range of equipment to get you playing your best, including shoes, apparel, and the Pro Slide Delivery Aid designed by Reed Carruthers. Visit their website at www.hardlinecurling.com and join the revolution. And that does it for part one of From the Hacks 2020 Briar Preview. We'll be in Kingston throughout Briar Week, so please follow us on Twitter for updates on behind-the-scenes news and notes. I'm Frank Rock, and this is From the Hack.